Blog Talk Radio. This is Jonathan Stoddard, and you're listening to Pam and Don. Hello, and welcome to the special edition of Christmas Movie Spotlight. I'm your host, Don Mack, and I'm here with my friend, my bestie, my colleague, and of course, my co-host of this wonderful show we call Christmas Movie Spotlight, Pam. Hey, Pam. How are you? Hey, I'm Pam, and I'm here with my friend, (laughs) my bestie, my colleague, and my co-host, Dawn. Dawn, how are you doing? <laughs> you just love that, don't you? <laughs> you know, for anyone who listens to our show regularly, they're like, these two ladies are just, they're just goofy as I'll get out. And we really are like this off air, just so everyone knows. There's no difference in how you hear us on air. This is how we are off air. Um, so, I mean, and, and it's a lot of fun. So hopefully we convey that to everyone. And if you're new here, thank you. Welcome aboard. We're glad to have you come on in and sit a spell, um, uh, and just enjoy the show as we always say, because tell you between Pam and I, we, we put on our own little entertainment. So <laughs> never a dull moment here. <laughs> no, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so how are you? How was your week? Did you have a good week? Yeah, I had a good week. Um, you know, the weather's being crazy. It's either warm or it's cold, and there's, like, almost no in-between. Um, well, yeah, People I think... prefer fall, but, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not really, like, to me, fall and spring are the ones that are wishy-washy. <laughs> so I've oh, yeah. to do with that one. You know, yeah. make it cold or make it warm. That's it. I'm, I don't want none of this junk in-between. Yeah. Well, you know, I I mean, I've always said here in North Carolina, we have bipolar weather, um, but it's quadruple because in the same day you can get all four seasons and, yeah, you know, yeah. and not know what season it is at any given moment. So it just, it just really varies. But on, realistically, this year, we have had some nights in the 30s already. And I'm like, wait a minute, yeah. did I wake up and I'm in Chicago right now? Because it's yeah. not uncommon this time of year when you and I are having this conversation. I'm like, oh, we had 75 today. And you're like, I so hate you. Um, you know, and it's like, not really, folks. But, um, yeah. but I mean, our weather has just really been more, you know, more traditional fall chill, little chill in the air, which we love down here in North Carolina. I know you guys aren't that fond of it up there in Chicago because you know what that usually means, you know, that's forthcoming, which here we may or may not see snow. I mean, recently, well, a while back I saw the the almanac said we were going to have a really cold and frigid winter, lots of snow and ice. And then the other day I see something that said, um, the some the El Nino is going to somehow make it warmer for the winter. So I don't know. It's get what we get when we get it. You can't count on the weather, people. I mean, mm-hmm. folks are hard to try so hard, they you do. know, but you can only do so much. It's up to Mother Nature on whether or not we're going to have some decent weather or we're going to be mm-hmm. in our house, you know, with the heat blasting. 
That's right. And, you know, in North Carolina, we just walk out the door in the morning and go, okay, it's cold. Let's go get a jacket, you know, or whatever. But it is what it is. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you had a good week. And we are, gosh, we've got a great interview tonight. Uh, We recently had the opportunity to speak with the very handsome and talented Jonathan Stoddard. Not, Not only about his one Christmas movie, but he's got two holiday movies this year. Um, he deserves them, like so many of the other actors that we love and adore deserve more than one. So we're oh, looking absolutely. forward to it. And Jonathan stars in the Great American Family movie, A Royal Christmas on Ice. That sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. Kind of slippery, mm-hmm. huh? <laughs> yeah, for real. For real. <laughs> and that premieres tonight, on November 5th at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central. And then Christmas movie fans will get an extra special treat this holiday season in getting to also see Jonathan in a Prince and a Pauper Christmas premiering on ION Network on Sunday, December 11th. Now, you know me with the Prince movies, the Royal movies. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's right up my alley. Yes, and, you know, seeing the preview for A Royal Christmas on Ice leading up to tonight. Mm -hmm. And hearing the accent, but, you know, we talked to him, and and as listeners will find out shortly, he is American, but uh, he does one heck of a British accent. Oh, my goodness. So, um, yeah, and Pam and I are big fans of of accents, of actors, and especially um, whether they're, you know, they're foreign actors or they're American actors and they're able to pull pull off an accent, it always just... it's very fascinating um, to be able to see someone, you know, have that dialect and then they talk in their native language. And here I am in the South. I couldn't pull it off if I had to. So <laughs> I've got an accent, folks, but not, not one like that. But wow. So we get to see him play a prince in both of these movies. It's going to be it's going to be exciting this holiday season. And what a treat, as you said. Yeah, yeah I can't wait. I know. Well, we are so excited and honored to bring you our interview now with Jonathan Stoddard. Enjoy the show. Thank you so much, Jonathan, for calling in. We really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Great. Well, I'm in Chicago. Where are you at? I was just thinking that as I said it, I was like, well, be here. I'm actually at home. So, yeah, it's great to be here. But <laughs> it's great to be on the call with you with you girls, and, and uh, it's an honor to be here. So I'm out in California. You're in California? Well, I just yeah, like to ask Los people Angeles. once in a while because, you know, Dawn, she's in North Carolina. I'm in Chicago. So we get people from all over the world, you know, on one phone call. It's It's just unbelievable sometimes who we can speak with and where they are. Uh, that's amazing. I, I actually just filmed a movie up in uh, South Carolina, and then as soon as we wrapped, ended up going up to North Carolina for a couple of days. Oh, where, whereabouts in North Carolina? Uh, I'm going to take a wild guess. Holden Beach? Is that, oh. Does that sound about right? Yes, that is a very nice, quiet beach. It's down near... Um, Oak Island and Southport, and uh, they took a little bit of a beating with the hurricane that came through last week. But uh, they've recovered. Yeah, we got the remnants. You know, it hit it hit Florida, 
and then it went back out over the water, and then it crashed into uh, the South Carolina coast around between, um, let's see, uh, Charleston and Myrtle Beach. So by the time, yeah. but it, it hit the whole coastline, north and South Carolina. So it, it was um, pretty rough, um, a lot of flooding down there, but nothing compared to Florida, of course. But, uh, but yeah, oh, so wow. our coastline kind of got hammered a little bit. But that whole area down there, Holden Beach is a very quiet beach, very tranquil. Um, it's, yeah. it's a great place to just get away for a weekend and just kind of regain your senses and get your bearings about you. Well, I'm just going shell hunting. It's, oh my it's one of the things that I've, yeah, I've really loved uh, jumping around whenever I'm on set, going to different beaches. I filmed a lot in Florida as well and South Carolina and everything. And, and the, whenever I get a chance to go to a beach and just taking a walk but, and seeing all the shot, like it's, it's phenomenal. It's such a beautiful, majestic um, mystery, the entire mm-hmm. ocean and everything. And it's, I, I, Absolutely. Holding beach. Wow. Gorgeous, well, gorgeous and shows. and along the North Carolina coastline, the Holden Beach is the one place if you want to go shell hunting. That is the place um, because yep. it's it's not a great big busy beach, so it allows the shells to just kind of roll up on the shoreline, and it's there for the taking. Uh, gorgeous shells. So um, yeah, well, that's. I will say, I heard an insider trading secret too. I don't know if this is public, but it's about to be. So apparently <laughs> they'll go out like a hundred yards from the shore and these ships and everything will pull up a bunch of the, the sand and the shells and everything. And then they dump it back onto the beach. Oh, wow. And so you end up getting some wild fossilized shells and, and even uh, some really cool shark's teeth and some really interesting things. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's unique in that regard. So it's not only what washes up, it's, it's the cycle that they're trying to do. And I forget exactly the reason why they do it, but yeah, but it's pretty amazing. And, and I've also, I also understand that, you know, if you want to find the perfect sand dollar, that's the place to go as well. Um, you know, that's oh. not a, a man made in a gift shop somewhere. So it's it's just gorgeous to to walk along the shoreline there. Well they have sand they or so they have sea biscuits. Mhm. Yeah. Ultimate. They're like little like like little muffins. They're amazing. Yeah, puffy. They're just puffy little things, and they're the cutest things ever. <laughs> Pam, do you even know what we're talking about? <laughs> uh, I was going to say, you guys lost me on that one. I have no clue what to see this. See, this is what happens when you live in Chicago, you know, and you don't get down to the North Carolina beach. It's just, you know, this is like a whole conversation. We're just going to table the interview, Jonathan. We're just going to have a free-for-all today, and we'll just come back later, you know. No, seriously, Pam, you, I, I've been trying to get – Pam and I have known each other for more than 10 years and I've been trying to wow. get her to North Carolina so she can experience what it's like to be in the South. Um, although she oh, got enough, she's, she probably feels like she's got enough of the South, a dose of that. We're talking to me, but you know, <laughs> yeah, her, her, her weird words or her weird um, food picks and yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll, yep. I'll stay here. <laughs> <laughs> My, uh, so, I got a lot of family down south. Um, my mom was born in El Paso, and then they moved over to Mobile, Alabama. And so for a long time when I was growing up, we used to travel out there and go see everyone in Texas and Alabama. And, and but yeah, the south, I mean, they're, I mean, it's amazing. It's its mm-hmm. own world, and it's, it's pretty phenomenal. 
Yeah, it is. It's not like anywhere else in the U.S. So, Pam, come nope. on down. <laughs> oh, I will. I will one of these days. I mean, I've been all, I've been all up and down the East Coast um, to quite a few states, but I just never hit North Carolina or South Carolina, uh, you know, New York, all the way down to Florida. I've been through quite a few of those states. But, you know, it's just... One of these days I'll get there, or she can always come to Chicago too. So that's that. Mm-hmm, Don. Well, I've never considered. There I've never go. been. That's a. Uh, we'll just do our. We'll make a bucket list. You come to North Carolina. I'll come to Chicago, and so we'll give each other the town tour. You know. <laughs> you know, Chicago's got some beaches right along Shoreline Drive. I lived out there for a little bit. I mean, it's really nice. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Well, would you say that you grew up wanting to be a shell collector or an actor? <laughs> uh, very good question. I grew up wanting to be a giant nerd, so I'll start with that. And okay. being wanting to be a nerd means that I'm wildly curious about everything. And I don't just do surface exploration. I like to dive into how and why, and it's that insatiable curiosity that's that drives a lot of it and so that's ultimately what ended up leading me to acting but i will say unique to shells and the beaches and stuff my father used to have these little cases when he was a kid and had them all the way up i'm the youngest of four so it survived you know three other children and by the time i was old enough that i can remember looking at these boxes that had a glass top you could slide the glass off it uh, these little square boxes, and he had sand from one beach and the shells from that beach. It was like a little mini museum of these beaches that he had collected. He was in the, he traveled a lot for being in the army for over 20 years, and and so whenever he would go with the family, he would always do this. And so later, when he finally settled in Northern California, and I got to, I came around, I started looking at these things, and I just always marveled at it. It, it was. It's always just been a unique thing. So it's it's more than just sentimental. Um, yeah, it's a version of home when I look at the beach and sand and and now as a as an adult, I walk around and I see shells and I kind of get tickled and I think of my my dad and it just brings back a lot of memories. Oh yeah, I can imagine it's uh, great memories to have with you from as a child onto an adult. And that you can still experience yeah. that by the traveling that you do as an actor. Yes. Well, it's one of the best parts. You get to see everything. You fly to a new state. You live in a new place. And you don't just do the touristy stuff. You get to see, like, you know, the secret spots. That's what's cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's definitely <laughs> Well, I want to know, I know that most people are familiar with you as a successful actor, but um, many, it's my understanding that many may not know that you are an accomplished chef. At least I read that somewhere yeah. one time. And so what is your favorite type of food that you love to cook? Uh, this is, so that is the classic question. And I have to say, it's not a cop-out answer, because sometimes I get accused of this, but my favorite thing to cook, like I, I will say, I have a, I lean into Italian because that was my focus. I lived in New York for a while cooking, and I lived in New York for a while cooking, and then I went to Italy, um, and I cooked out there for a little bit. But the, I will say what I, 
what I love doing is kind of an Iron Chef thing. It's the showing up and people going, oh, we have nothing to eat. I'm so hungry. And I'm like, <laughs> roll up my sleeves. I'm like, step away from the fridge. And I don't know. It's, it's the playing with the unique items that are there. I mean, don't get me wrong. Going to a grocery store is like six flags for me. I, I yeah. am <laughs> I'm rubbing the lemons and sniffing how fresh they are and just like getting involved with the food. And that's why I love it. It literally becomes everything we are. But I just like making things up on the spot in dire situations when everyone feels like all hope is gone. <laughs> well, that's, you know, interesting because there's not a lot of people in the world that could make something out of, whatever's left in the fridge. <laughs> to me, that's a, a, a unique ability. It's so much fun. It's kind of like Latin with languages. Once you learn the, the basics of flavor profiling, you can pretty much accomplish that with anything. So from salad dressings in terms of an oil and a base, maybe an emulsifier, uh, to going into flavor profiling with palate, um, depending on the proteins and things like that, you can really do, I mean, you can do some crazy, crazy stuff um, that no one expects. And it's just because you understand the Latin language of food and how it works and how our tongues work. I mean, it's amazing. I love it. I love it. That but unfortunately great, being... I was going to say that that takes great creativity because most people look and they go, I have nothing to eat. And they just, opt to go out to eat, you know, because there's nothing in the, there's nothing in the kitchen to eat. So that takes great uh, courage and creativity to be able to pull that off. Well, yeah, the courage is definitely there when no one else is around and I'm the only one to to taste my, my experiment. (laughs) but otherwise, yes. Well, that's, that's funny. But you can, I can tell just by talking just by talking to you and what your answers are and everything that you're extremely creative in whatever you choose to do. Um, so as yeah. an actor, it has to feed your creativity. Otherwise, you wouldn't have continued on, correct? No pun intended? No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> Great, Pam. That was good. <laughs> that wasn't even scripted. <laughs> no. <Nope. laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, you know, when you're cooking up a character and you're really, uh, yeah, it's that the flavor profiling of of people is the same kind of thing, right? You have, and we use food analogies all the time, right? It's like, oh, this person's a little spicy or this person's a little, you know, edgy or salty or things like that. And it's when I go into... Like, it's, it's all kind of the, the same thing, just with different names. So having a deep dive passion into one thing allows me to also have that same kind of love and passion for anything else, as long as I stay focused. And right. acting is, like, as, uh, as I'm sure looking at some of the history of even this last year and some of the work that I've done and, and everything from the Christmas movies to thrillers to suspense to rom-coms, they're so drastically different. Like acting for Disney is not the same as acting for HBO. Acting on a rom-com or a thriller is not going to be the same. Right. Well, I'm picking out one thing that you did because it's right up in Don and I's uh, 
favorite things, and that would be soap operas. You actually were yes. on The Young Reckless, and you played a young John Abbott, who is yes. absolutely loved and adored by fans across the world, including the actor himself, Jerry Douglas. So how did you get yes. that role, and what was it like playing such a beloved character? Um, it was I, that was such an incredible honor, I have to say, because that's not that's not creating a character. That's I mean it is. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but you're you're filling in, you're stepping into the shoes, and you are there's a new kind of pressure and honor that goes along with imagining what that character would be like in the '70s, Jerry, and. Um, anyway, it was phenomenal. But anyway, so how I got it. I'll start with this. I was actually on set. My agent had gone to an event. The casting director was there. She said, we, they struck up a conversation. She happened to mention to him, oh, I'm going to be sending out a casting. We're looking for a guy like 5'10", 5'11", blue eyes. And my agent goes, That's, I've got the guy. And she goes, well, great, we'll have him read. <laughs> And I was shooting a commercial at the time, and so I couldn't go in. And she said, well, that's fine. Just have him, have him read, uh, do a quick read. It's less than five lines. Have him do a quick read while he's on set. So I had somebody hold up my cell phone, did a read during lunch, we sent it in. And then within, I think, two days, they called and said, you're booked. And originally, it was only supposed to be a one-time thing. But it ended up going so well, and I was received, which I'm so grateful for, but I was received very well as the young John Abbott, and then uh, they continued to write me in, and, and it kept going for about three years. And it was a phenomenal experience to be on set, to, to work with them. I mean, these are, these are icons for actors. I mean, they, they, they grew up on the show. They live and breathe the show. So to be not only around CBS, but the execs, the writers, the creators, but then also the incredible talent that's involved there from the actors and the family. It was such an amazing experience. So I loved it. I absolutely loved it. But I was terrified in the beginning. But, you know, after like three times, yeah, yeah, then it's like, "Uh, that's right, imposter syndrome doesn't exist. I belong here. And you're good. (laughs) Well, and you know, you just made that your own, even though you were, you stepped into that role and it was, you know, for lack of a better way to put it, big shoes to fill because Jerry Douglas was just phenomenal in the character and yeah. to come in and play a younger version of him and own it the way you did it was just incredible. So kudos to you for that. And, um, well, thank you. I mean, that, and, and also being in the grind of, you know, daytime, uh, soap opera instead of, you know, doing a movie. Um, which, you know, can take a couple weeks, a couple months, then it wraps, you go do something else, and then you go film another movie, and it, and it, that's a continuous thing. Um, did you find that that was a little bit more difficult to, to stay that course as opposed to doing a movie that's more segmented? It's really interesting um, because they didn't tell us our schedule ahead of time. So we would go in, and every time I would do an episode with them, for the young and the restless, I always felt like that was the last time and I would be walking away. And as soon as, like, that's it. And they wouldn't tell me, oh, 
we're going to be doing some more episodes, get ready or anything like that, or this is our plan. So I wouldn't know unless I got the call. So fortunately, though, I have to say, it, everything worked out so magically where I would do like three or four episodes with them and the story arcs and everything were always so wonderful to, to sink my teeth into. And then I would get booked on a movie, fly out, shoot a couple films in different places. And then I'd get a call and I'd be like, oh, I hope this doesn't interfere because I, like, I want to keep doing this. This is like Young and the Restless. This is phenomenal. And every time they called me in happened to be on my day off from filming. So it always, it always worked out. And every time I showed up, it was just perfect. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. There's, there's a lot of things that I can describe that just don't make sense in terms of the development of either the career or this journey. Like there is no straight line. It's just been a magical ride. Well, I, I'm so glad that you, you were tapped to play that role. Um, I mean, I, Pam and I have been huge fans of The Young and the Restless forever, it seems like. Um, and so to just see you in that and and to be part of the history of that story and the show is, is I know, is a great honor. So, which I've got to transition now because we know you've not only played a young John Abbott, but you've played a lot of different characters characters including a psychopath (laughs) so I've got to ask the question because I had read somewhere that both your parents are in the mental health field and so it kind of it kind of led to well how if anything did it prepare you to play a psychopath on screen did it have any influence or bearing on on how you delivered that or how did you develop that character uh, great, great questions. Yeah, the my parents, um, they are phenomenal. And they, well, actually, let me ask you this. Have you read How to Win Friends and Influence People? I have not read it, but I have heard of it. So it's, I believe it's Dale Carnegie. It's a phenomenal book. It's one of the classics. You should definitely read it. But one of the, the very first chapter, which is, why and how this is relevant. But the very first chapter is basically talking about um, this uh, criminal who, while the police were going after him, ended up sitting down and writing a note, basically a journal, like just letting his thoughts out onto the page as he was journaling, basically saying, why are they coming after me? I've done nothing wrong. And then meanwhile, he's done horrific things, but the, the, belief and the takeaway of the chapter is that everyone feels justified for who they are and what they are. Like no, uh, people may have general guilt or kind of shame about certain things, but overall people feel justified for their behavior, even if they know it's wrong. And it's probably one of the greatest gifts that my, my parents being in the mental health industry as psychiatrists and psychologists and stuff. Uh, Growing up with that, it was such a hard thing to wrap my head around, the ideas of morality and ethics, values, virtues, all those kinds of things. But as an adult, a lot of pieces started coming together about I can have my own personal moral compass, and then I can also have compassion and understanding for other people's journey because they are human and they're justified with their behavior. 
And so I can't fault them for being human, otherwise I fault myself. And when I go into a role of, a, of playing a psychopath or anything like that, one of the hardest things as an, as an actor is feeling, feeling judgmental towards the script or feeling judgmental towards the character that we have to play mm-hmm. and the things that we have to do or the things that we have to say to be them. And that can be the hardest roadblock. It's like, oh, well, I'm... I'm not a doctor. I don't know how to do medical jargon, and so therefore that's my biggest hindrance. Or, wow, I'm I'm this upstanding, like bright citizen. I don't. I I'm not willing to play a psychopath because I would just never do that. And it's <laughs> the interesting, right? The interesting thing about this industry and about the art is that it's not about that. It's it's about how do I embrace humanity? Now I don't have to live my life as a psychopath, obviously. Thank you. Thank you for that. (laughs) Yeah, no, 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 I won't be doing that anytime soon. That is not on my bucket list. Uh, But the the overarching theme is really fascinating, and that is just not to judge the character and not to judge the art and to be able to give myself freely and embrace it with compassion. And that is a lot trickier uh, than we may think, especially when we have to be perceived in the real world. The movie comes out and people see you that way. So mm-hmm. it's it's a really interesting thing. I don't know exactly how to answer it, but all I can say is my parents have helped me to, to really deepen my love and compassion for humanity and, and acceptance for the journey. Oh, that's beautiful, Jonathan. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I can't even begin to wrap my head around how you get into a character such as that. Um, but it sounds like you've approached it from such a positive way that it helped to kind of embrace it so that you could just make it very believable on screen for what people see as the end result. So um, that's that's really incredible. Well, fingers crossed it, it keeps working because I don't know what happens when the cameras go on. So <laughs> <laughs> I black out. I, I wake up in my bed and I'm like, who am I? What's going on? Oh, I'm Jonathan. Oh, I'm Jonathan. Oh, oh. Back to life, back to reality. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. He's calling all of his friends the next day. Uh, hello? This is a movie hangover, my movie hangover, and I have no idea what I did. It's not the usual I got drunk hangover and blackout. No, it's movie hangover. That's Jonathan. No, but, but, okay, so you know what's interesting? You're right, though. There is a character hangover. You mourn the character mm-hmm. after because you're like, wow, I've been living in this immersed world. It's like going, you know, like going to the South. If you live in the South, super intense for the next month, and then you come home to Chicago – you like you're gonna have a little, you know, mm-hmm. a, a, a little a little draw that you're gonna be talking with until you can finally shake it. But you're gonna be like, oh wow, Ooh, yeah, I, I I brought it back with me. Yeah, and, um, <laughs> take it off, right? <laughs> take it off, right? Yeah. So, and it's, well, yeah, it's the same thing with the movies. There's a hangover, or I don't know what the proper word is for it, but it does. It lingers. And you gotta you gotta right. find way. It's part of the part of the work we have to do. Yeah, yeah. I know a lot of people deal with it. A lot of actors deal with it, and some can can take themselves out of it very easily. And others have to learn how to do it. So, you know, you don't yeah. want it affecting your your real life if it's something negative, especially. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah, we've all heard so, those. Uh, there's some tragic stories, but there are also some beautiful ones. Yes, thank God for that. Well, we know yeah. that you're an A plus 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 actor. Okay, we all know this because <laughs> of everything you've been in and we've watched. But the you have to behind the camera. You you know you are a producer, director, photographer, stuntman. Yes, you're like the handyman of acting and the entertainment industry. A jack of all trades. Right, right. Yeah. So did you take classes for all these things, or are you the type that just learns on the go and by watching people and asking questions? I think if we're – I think my my general philosophy, um, what I was taught – if it doesn't come easy, you have to go to work. And mm-hmm. by going to work, there isn't just your talent. There's everyone around you. There's the community. You have to make believers out of people around you. But most importantly, you have to add value. People don't understand how you can add value as an actor because you aren't proven yet or because it just isn't refined. You know, this wasn't – I wasn't born into this. This wasn't my family. I had nobody holding out their hands for me. This was hitting the pavement over and over and over and over again and then walking away and quitting multiple times and and saying, I just can't, I can't live without it. And so how do I become more valuable? How do I, how do I make it so that people want to have me on set? And I could be as an actor. It could not be. I just want to be a part of the creation. I want to be a part of the family. And by nature, that ends up taking me down a lot of different roads of, well, if I learn lighting, if I learn camera work, if I learn and understand um, <clears throat> movement and focus pulling and lenses and all of, all of that kind of stuff, and then being able to do my own stunts, so I'm not sitting there going, well, I don't want to sprain my pinky, so <laughs> I'm not going to do it. <laughs> and it's like, no. I'm going to I'm going to strengthen my core and my body and I'm going to be able to take a hit. Like I want to be able to do that. And I want to you know stuff I didn't understand later was by getting into photography so I could learn the lens and learn camera and learn lighting and learn um also just taking my own headshots and stuff because as an actor those materials add up real quick. But now when I get on set I when they're sitting there and they're talking and they're saying, let's switch over to a 50 millimeter. And I'm like, great. So we're doing like a, a, a cowboy based off of how far the lens is from me. So that I know how to act technically instead of just passionately. And I know what to do within frame, what's going to work, what's not going to work. And everything ended up connecting as dots, but it came out of an urge to just become invaluable on set. Right. I mean, I think it would come in handy if the producer, for some odd reason, couldn't make it that day. You could step into his position. Do you feel like you have that much knowledge, or are you still still learning? Well, to a certain degree. I mean, producers, that is an, that's a new world. That is a whole – the title of producers, get, unfortunately um, – and with all due respect to the producers that, you know, bust their butt and work really hard. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I could just jump into a producer role uh, because that is a very particular specialized set of skills that covers some very unique things. But 
Um, the producing that I have done has all been a very contained within the limits of things that I can do or connecting people because, because of how much I work and things like that. But, yeah, I mean, for the most part, other than producing and stuff like that, I've had directors on set ask me to translate to the other actors um, because I can communicate in such a way to help draw out the emotions and I can understand, uh, I don't know, as like an interpreter. I've had people, like as an actor, I can point out things without being intrusive and taking away from people's work and, and their art, but I can make subtle suggestions for either lighting or, or camera movement. Or sometimes I just stay really quiet and I just, you know, I cater to these things within how I walk to the table to grab the glass before I say the line or things like that. Like it, it's all such interesting small things that have a major impact. And so the more that we learn, I think, as actors, everything else, the about directing, about cinematography, about all that, um, at least the, the better of an actor I believe I become. Because I'm sure, here, here's a fun, interesting idea. If, like, think about it. I could be sitting here having a really intense, powerful thought. And then if you girls were looking at me and I wasn't saying anything, and then the next shot was of a donut. So if you're just seeing me lean against the tree having an emotional thought, then the next clip is of a, a Dunkin' Donut. You'd be sitting there going, wow, he's really hungry. Like, he's daydreaming about those donuts. Like, he really wants it. Right? Now, use the same footage. So in your mind's eye, use the same visual that you have of just me leaning against the tree, deep in thought. Same thing. And now the next clip is not of a donut, but it's of me holding hands walking through a park with my girlfriend. Or at least maybe she could be my ex if I'm, cause I'm pensive. So mm-hmm. it went from the idea of me doing the exact same thing, but the clip after it now all of a sudden tells you, well, mm-hmm. he's either hungry or he could be really sad or he could be depressed or he could yeah. be longing for it or he could be lonely. Like, but my behavior as an actor didn't change. It's just the story, the story framing changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that I, makes I, sense. These are all just fascinating. Like, it's just all fascinating stuff. Anyway, anyway, I'm rambling, but... Oh, it's, <laughs> that is fascinating. I mean, it's, it's it interesting is. to kind of have an inside look at some of the, the nuances that go along with filming. It's, it's more than just, you know, reciting lines that you've memorized to, and delivering it in a way that's believable. Um, there are so many little ca- caveats that, you know, that are added that enhance what you do which make it, yeah. you know, so much better and meaningful for the viewers. And um, speaking of viewing, I've got to, uh, you know, this is a Christmas show, so I have to ask you before we wrap <laughs> up before too long about your Christmas movies because I understand, Pam and I understand, that you've got a couple Christmas movies that are coming out this holiday season. And if you can share anything, what can you share with us? And, you know, we don't want you to give too much away, though, but share what you can and we'll – you know, for the listeners out there. Okay. So we got two really fun Christmas movies that I'm hoping are going to get released this Christmas. And uh, I do a British accent in both of them. <gasps> oh, my favorite. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. 
Okay, I, I've got to ask, before you go further, Jonathan, I have to ask, if you're doing a British accent, are you going to play a prince in these movies in one or the other? Or is that giving it away? Should I not ask that question? Okay, it's off the table. I'm, I'm, I'm shaking my magic eight ball, and most likely the answer is yes. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, my goodness. So. I mean, I, I will say if if you look it up online, because this isn't giving anything away, but if just pulling it up, like it does say, I'm I'm Prince John in one and Prince Alexander in the other. So yeah, it's oh. a little bit of a spoiler alert, but yeah, there I'm you a, go. A British a British prince in both, and um, it's this is going to be really cool. One is uh, one I believe the title. We were talking about this before the show started. I'm I'm going to be daring. I'm going to say, I believe the title of this is going to be A Royal Christmas on Ice. And um, if the title changes, of course, we'll have to, we'll have to make a note of that. But uh, as of right now, we filmed it back in February in New York, and it's just a great, it's a fun, simple, feel-good movie. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, I played the, the uh, Prince John of Donegal. And then I end up uh, going to the States because I wanna, I'm obsessed with hockey and, and I want to get involved and own my own hockey team. And then I end up falling in love with an ex-Olympic. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll stop it there. But it's going to be great and it's going to be amazing. Anna Marie Dobbins plays my love interest and she's phenomenal. Uh, I love and it's just her. such a great cast. She's so great. We had a lot yeah. of fun. And then, oh, so this other one, though. So if this other one comes out, I actually play two characters, and it's based off of Mark Twain's The Pauper and the Prince. And it's basically two people who look identical, one in royal status and one in kind of thieving down and out homeless status, and they end up swapping places. And so that's very much like Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. It's very much like What's Up, Doc, Barbara Streisand. Um, It's fun comedy, romance, undercover, excitement, a little James Bond, a little, you know, it's it's just going to be a really fun movie. And quite honestly, it's a lot of me. <laughs> it's a lot of, I'm playing the two leads. So it's a lot of me. It's a lot. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know that viewers would ever get tired of seeing you on screen. So that's a, that's going to be a nice added bonus, I guess, playing, you know, you playing two, dual roles like that. And I, I want to know if – you being an American, I mean, how hard is it to get into, to you know, speak a different um, accent when you're on screen and you're in character? How hard is it to transition in and out of that? Because do you just stay in character so that you don't lose it? What do you have to do to prepare to get the dialect correct um, so it's believable? Uh, I, that has always fascinated me anyway. It's there's no there's no just one answer. It's you just have to do whatever it takes. On certain days, I can sit down and just watch an episode of The Crown, where I kind of do the uh, like radio host training, where as they speak, I say the words right after them, just so I can get used to that kind of dialect. Or if I'm doing something that's a little bit more like Peaky Blinders, um, where it's a little more like Cockney and stuff like that. But some days I, it just comes really easy, and, and my my mouth responds to what my brain wants it to do. And then 
Other days that doesn't work, so then I have to, like, put a pen in my mouth or, you know, like some of the weird things that you only see people do in their closet at night when nobody's watching, and it's like marbles in my mouth and saying the lines, and I look absolutely ridiculous, and I'm like, come on, mouth, work with me. So <laughs> it, uh, it's, it's tricky, but I think that's the dedication of what we have to do for the artist. You know, it's just whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. So the playing the two characters is really interesting because I had to switch from uh, the British accent of the prince to a down and out rough, rougher kind of American accent for the uh, thief informant guy, and then they swap each other, and then they they do this like bizarre caricature of each other because they. They don't know what the other person sounds like, but they realize that they are now being confused for the other person. So then we have, I had to do these like bizarre caricatures uh, of each other, and then they meet each other, and then they end up training each other how to be a better version of each other. So then it's that my accent on that is going to be all over the place, but hopefully it makes sense, and hopefully the editing is, is going to make this work. But that was a, that was a challenge because every day I had to go back and forth with every scene as I'm playing against myself between one accent and another, and then knowing where in the script, how good is that accent supposed to be? And how bad is that accent supposed to be? How many cracks in the pavement are there supposed to be? And do I drop a word here and there or not? And it's, you know, there's preparation can only do so much and then you have to leave room for the magic. Well, let me say before I ask my last question, I hope they paid you double for that. (laughs) (laughs) Two characters, two accents, two, I mean, gosh, yeah, double pay, hello. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they're they're wonderful, hybrid. They they all take care of me, and they're great. Yeah, I love their movies. I have, I watch them all, believe me. A lot of them are on Lifetime, and, and whether they're Christmas or regular drama, uh, yeah, I'm there. I'm watching it. So <laughs> my last question is, if somebody were to write a movie about you at this point in time of your life, what would it be called, who would star in it as you, and what would the moral of the story be? Jeez. Did I stump you? <laughs> uh, I, feel like, I feel like I'm at the bridge of Monty Python, and I'm like, my favorite color is blue. Wait, no, it's green. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if you're familiar with that scene, but um, it's – so I kind of actually – I will say, I alluded to it a little bit earlier. I've – walked away from this business and had so many really interesting things happen over the years that uh, I, I like to teach and mentor a lot. And, and a lot of my failure, failures over time kind of made me wonderfully indestructible and given me a great platform to talk to other people because I can help them through things. And so if there was a movie I, I wanted to be an inspirational one about starting over and um, and not giving up. And I'd want it to be some kind of a story like that. And maybe the comeback hit or something like that. <clears throat> and then I don't 
know who would play me. That would be interesting. Because if it's a biopic, then we're talking about covering a lot of years. It wouldn't just be like, oh, yeah, let's cover this one. Right. So I'd have to find, like, a little kid, you know, a teenager. Because here's, here's, like, some fun, interesting things. When I was a kid, I was really pigeon-toed. So I had the Forrest Gump metal boots when I was a kid. So if we were to go into this interest, yeah, if we went into this, like, interesting story, um, there could be some really interesting uh, interesting ways to weave in the never give up and and staying true and how to fortify yourself and how to come back and how to how to find the light, how to create the light when it feels like everything around you is dark. And a lot of that has been the essence of my life. So I don't know. I don't know who would do it, but it would be, that would be the screenplay, the story, the biopic version. And, um, yeah. I love that. I, I actually love it. I mean, because you could have said anything, but to choose – to put something positive out there in the world with so much negativity is what we need more and more these days, uh, especially with mental health. So yeah, I, I think that should be a movie being, that should be made, and you should star oh, in it as so. an adult and just tell me <laughs> stories. There, I've, I've been working with some people about directing and stuff in the future, and these kinds of stories are things I would love to tell. Because I, I feel like our culture has gotten really interesting, as you mentioned, where we, we're, we're almost over with an idea and the heart and the intention of being compassionate to others. We're also making people so incredibly sensitive that uh, it's limiting progress of our humanity, I, I think. Right. And there these kinds of stories, like not to say you have to indulge in the tough love concepts, but... Um, there are some really interesting ideas about how to fortify our emotional and intellectual strengths so that we're better equipped to deal with things and, and, and we appreciate humanity on a much deeper level and, and instead of a self-righteous level. Um, but yeah, I would love to tell these kinds of stories and, and I definitely will be in the future. And I will let you girls know and thank you for inspiring that. Jeez. <laughs> we appreciate that. Well, we, we look forward to that, Jonathan. I think that would be awesome, and it would be really good for humanity, too. So um, mm-hmm. so make it happen. We, we'll have you back on the show just to talk about it. So, <laughs> Well, before we close, we always like to do a fun little ditty called the five-question lightning round, and it's all Christmas-related, so there's nothing to be, to be feared here. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you something, and you give me something really quick, and then we'll just get through it really quick, and then we'll wrap up. How's that sound? Done and done. Let's go. All right. First one, favorite <laughs> Christmas tradition. Oranges, uh, like piercing oranges with with a bunch of cloves and then hanging it around the house. Oh, I can smell that, by the way. Um, <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Like, I know. You just say it, it and you smell it. It inspired the smell. Okay, your favorite Christmas song. Oh, jeez. Uh, it's got to be Mariah Carey. All I want for Christmas. Right. Okay, your favorite Christmas movie? 
Uh, I was going to say, I want to say the, um, it's a tie between Elf and A Christmas Story. Okay. All right. Hot toddy or hot chocolate? Hot toddy or hot chocolate? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I mean, hot toddy, virgin or not, phenomenal. Oh, <laughs> I love me loving Oh, no. cinnamon, I know what uh, you mean. <laughs> <laughs> and the last one, white lights or colored lights? Oh, white lights or colored lights? Oh. I, that's such an unfair question. You can't, There's no <laughs> wrong answers, though. You know, like, you know. <laughs> but, but, like, on a Christmas, like, inside color, outside white, like, on a tree, you want to have, like, the colored lights and things like that, but then, you know, uh, creating the icicle, taking off the, the gutters, like, you know, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Can't just pick one. Yeah, I know. <laughs> all, That's why you always you know use both all, at Christmas time, and then you have the best of both worlds, right? <laughs> all lights matter. That's all I'm going to say. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that was great. <laughs> Especially at Christmas time. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. That's a tough question because that's that's uh yeah. I don't yeah, know. you can especially the ones that like blink and stuff like that. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, Jonathan, it's been a blast. It's been an honor, and we just absolutely love having you with us today. And we want you to come back. So say right now in front of millions of people that you will come back. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like putting him yes. on the spot, Pam. <laughs> no, absolutely. I've had I, you girls have, have let me ramble, and and I've been such a joy, and and ah, I I love your laughs. Like you girls are so great. I yes, absolutely. Any invitation, thank anytime. You. I would love to. Oh, thank, thank you so much. You're so sweet. Is is there any um, social media shout-outs you want to do, like give your name, your at name, say hi to somebody? Well, yeah, I – well, I mean, of course, my mom, my family, ah, they're amazing. Um, I'm responsible for everything. And then uh, – but, yeah, feel feel free for anyone listening who wants to follow the Instagram journey. It's probably where I'm most active. Um, but I'm also least active just in general uh, online. Well, I've been filming because this whole last, the last two years have been movie after movie after movie. So I'm, I'm planning on being a lot more involved both on Instagram and Facebook. But on Instagram, it's at John Stoddard Official. Um, and then Facebook, just doing a search, Jonathan Stoddard. And that'll come up. And, and yeah, the, the journey is going to get the journey is going to move, start moving very, very fast in the next year. And so I would say with, you know, as, as an audience, keep listening to shows like this because they're on the forefront of, you know, tapping into some really cool things. And that's both with Christmas, acting, um, everything in the industry. So whoever's listening, keep listening. This is where you're going to hear it first. Oh, thank you so much. Jonathan, 
you're now part of our family. We love you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. That was really sweet. I I really we you don't even know how much we appreciate you saying that. But we will let you go. And since we won't be able to talk to you before all the holidays come up, be sure you have a wonderful holiday, and we'll see you again. Thank you. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful holiday. If there's anything else I can do or um, or say or anything, please do not hesitate. Thank you. Have a good night. Have a great night. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. Take care. My name is Jonathan Stoddard. There's nothing more that I like to do than listen to the Christmas movie Spotlight radio special with Pam and Don. Hey guys, don't leave us yet. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Christmas Movies. That's X M A S M U V I E S. And also like our Facebook page at Christmas Movie Spotlight. Don't forget, that's spelled M-U-V-I-E-S. And follow us on Instagram at Christmas Movie Spotlight. And don't forget to check out our website, ChristmasMovieSpotlight.com. That's movies with M-U-V-I-E-S, ChristmasMovieSpotlight.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.